Parenting, Master Your Mindset with Nate Skula and Kim Adele. Hey. Hey, Kim. How are you doing? I'm really good. How are you? Very good. Thank you. Very good. So today we're here to talk about master, your, mastering your mindset and taking control of your life. And we're going to talk around three things, how to control your mindset, stop letting your emotions control you and using goal setting to take control of your life. And I know it's very difficult, right, to take control of your mindset sometimes. It is, yeah. It can be really hard. And if we're in the wrong mindset, then funnily enough, we end up with the wrong outputs. And it's hard sometimes to change that mindset. You know, when things are going wrong all around, it can be really difficult to find the positives. And I know we're told to find the positives and that there's silver lining in every cloud, but sometimes those clouds feel just a little too heavy, don't they? Um, And it feels quite hard to find where is that silver lining. But if we can focus on the things that we can do, then actually before we know it, we start to move forward. So I often um, had people ask me in the past when things had gone horrendously wrong, how is it that you maintain your ability to just focus on the positives and I said well one of the things I've learned in life is that worrying about something doesn't change anything but it does change me it makes me very anxious very nervous the situation doesn't change but I feel very very stuck and so what I try and do now whenever I'm feeling anxious is to focus on what I can do instead and that cling to that like the life boat in the stormy seas of my brain to go I can't do anything about this I'm just going to doggedly focus on this piece that's just going to allow me to at least feel like I'm in control of something and I'm able to move forward until I can find an answer to the thing that I can't do and I guess this is where we started to learn about that reframing our thinking so how we can look at it and go okay I can't do those things is there anything that I can do right now that is going to move me in the right direction or is going to help me to move forward? I think it was Michael Jordan who said, you don't need to see the whole staircase, you just need to take the first step. Because with every step we make, we actually change our vantage point. And when we change our vantage point, something that was previously unseen to us comes into view and we may just find the answer that we were looking for. Right. I mean, but some of the time, though, it can be really, really hard. Like you, you can be stuck in a really, really bad situation. And so do you think that, you know, on occasions like that, like people can sort of use techniques and, and things to distract themselves from the pain or stress or anxiety that they're kind of going through? Yeah, so I think, you know, for me, I suffered as you know I suffered imposter syndrome for a lot of years and that could be really debilitating at times and that little voice in our heads um whether it's our little imposter or anything else that little voice in our heads is so loud at those times and you can struggle to find the time the space the the release from that constant barrage of abuse that we give ourselves and what I learned, <coughs> excuse me, what I learned over the years was that actually what you want to be able to do is try and reframe your thinking. So when that voice is telling me that I'm hopeless, that I can't do something, the first thing you have to do is acknowledge it. The human brain doesn't like it if we just ignore it to push it away. It will just get louder and keep pushing, going, you're not listening. A little bit like my little girl if she's not getting attention. 
Um, so you've got to first acknowledge what it is that it's saying, but then you can need to ask yourself, are there any examples where I have survived something like this before, where I have got through this, where I am able to do whatever it is that's currently feeling so difficult to me? Um, and the reason you ask yourself that is your subconscious brain is the happiest little helper you will ever have. Whatever you're saying to yourself, it thinks is, is important. The problem is your subconscious brain doesn't understand the difference between helping and harming. And because of that, whatever you say, it goes and tries to find you more evidence. So if you say I'm really bad at something or I can't do this or this is actually just the biggest challenge and I don't know how to get through it, your subconscious brain is going to go and find more examples of to build that overwhelm, to fuel that fire. So what you have to do is go, OK, I get it. It's a really tough situation. Are there any examples where I have got through this, where I have been able to do something, where I have been able to move forward? Because then your subconscious brain runs back into that library of your mind and comes back with all of the examples of when you have done this. So now you've got a brand new fact base. It's like I, I can get it wrong. It can feel overwhelming, but I can get it right. I can move through this. And therefore, with this new fact base, what choices am I going to make? And it's sometimes it's changing our language. It's changing our vocabulary. I can't remember who it was um, that used to say that actually we should eradicate the word problem from the dictionary because problem by definition means that it's hard, it's difficult and it's uncomfortable. If instead everything was a challenge and some of those challenges are ones we look forward to and some of those challenges are ones we'd rather not have, then actually we're putting our mind in a different place. So we're no longer automatically assuming it's hard. And I guess it's easy for me to sit here and say, that now you may look at it and go well, what problems have you ever faced but actually you know there have been times when that challenge that I was facing was just too great I remember in a particularly melodramatic moment of my life when everything just was too much and um, what with illness and um, relationship breakdowns all happening simultaneously and uh, the job and everything it was I mean if you couldn't pick everything in one go it happened um I was I was in a place where I didn't have to breathe now how melodramatic is that <laughs> clearly I've got a little bit of the inner actress in me just like my little girl and um, because I did know how to breathe and I'm still here and I'm still breathing but in that moment I didn't know how to breathe I was so lost I was so untethered from everything that I thought I knew that I thought I understood um, that I didn't know how to keep moving forward. And so what I did in that particular moment was look at what were the things that I could do. And for me, in that moment, my little girl was my saving grace because she was a baby. She wasn't quite one. And I was like, she needs you. You can't be breaking down right now because that little girl needs you to feed her and nurture her and love her and look after her. Um, and you've just got to keep going. You've got to find a way to do what's right for her and that's how I got through it I looked at what did she need next could I do that piece what did she need after that could I do that piece um, and before I knew it a week had gone a couple of weeks had gone a month had gone and you look back and go oh look <laughs> wasn't so bad after all and here I am four years on still breathing so um, I can get through it but at the time I absolutely appreciate it can feel so overwhelming 
that you can't see how. So for me, focusing on those really small things, the one or two things that I think, well, okay, I could do that. It might not feel like much of an achievement, but at least I'm doing something, I'm moving forward. And, you know, as you know, I've said it before, some days, you know, my goal to myself is that I adult appropriately for 12 hours. And if I've done that, I've done pretty good. Because there are some days where you just can't do anymore. And I think we've got to learn to demonstrate passionate self-compassion because we would be compassionate to everybody else but we need to be compassionate to ourselves as well because you can't pour from an empty cup so we have to be able to say that we are looking after ourselves and that we're taking the steps that we can take and I guess for me the other thing is every single one of us has survived 100% of the challenges that life's thrown at us so far that's a pretty good batting average so I would take some confidence and some comfort that actually you can get through it even if you don't know how to right now ask for help take the steps that you can do and actually allow other people to come in and help that was something I was really bad at for a lot of years and people want to help yeah yeah it's it, it can be very hard sometimes, but I think having the right people around you, having having family, friends, uh, colleagues who you can talk to, really, really helps with uh, with these sorts of uh, sorts of issues, right? And stopping letting your emotions control you is a is a massive uh, massive task, right? And you know. <laughs> I think we all have different ways that we deal with things. And I think that for some people, just distracting themselves from the really bad emotion that they might be feeling is a way to to move into that sort of period of looking back over it once the pain has kind of, or the trauma, because sometimes it can be traumatizing, right? Some of the things that we have to go through, I mean, certainly from some of the people that we speak to, right? You know, they, they go through a lot of pain and stress and, and I like, I like the way that you can look back over it maybe six months, a year later, and you might even forget. I mean, it might not even, it might not even exist anymore in your mind. You might have totally forgotten it or not forgotten what you learned from it, but actually forgotten, um, forgotten the actual, uh, the actual specific time that it happened, you know? So, are there any other tips to stopping uh, letting your emotions control you? I think the first thing is acknowledging your emotions. We are emotional beings and, you know, we think we're not. So we will say, you know, I make all my decisions based on fact. Well, the reality is our emotional brain responds 24 times faster than our thinking brain. So we've already started to form our thoughts based on our feelings. And then we move into those facts to help us to, determine whether or not uh, we think that is the right action or not so I think we have to we have to acknowledge them for me personally I find writing stuff down a really cathartic way of getting it out of my head because when it's just rolling around in my head it's too much (laughs) there's no space so I find like sitting down writing down how I've writing down how I felt and acknowledging that for some things do you know what when you go back and look at them they still hurt they do still hurt some of them do still make you sad but in a very different way I think when you look back at them because when you look back at them you know that you've survived them so you've got that sadness you've got that grief you've got that those emotions that come up 
but you've not got that fear because you're past the situation. When you're in it the first time, you're fearful you can't get out of it. So not only have you got the pain, not only have you got the the challenge, the, the potential, the grief that goes with all of that, you've got the fear that you can't get through it. So I think it's I think that's what makes it different when you look back because that fear disappears. Right, right. I mean, I think in terms of in terms of actually taking control of your life, using goal setting really helps with that. And because a lot of us, we, we kind of, when we're in a bad situation or a stressful situation, we're, we're often very short-term focused. So having a goal which is slightly further out from from that, so perhaps five years or a three-year goal, right, or a ten-year even, right, can be can be really quite encouraging um, and can really assist in in the way that you manage your mindset and take control of your of your mind and your life, right? Yeah. So goal setting, you know, there's been loads of research on it, and actually Harvard did a review um, a while ago, and they identified that actually a, of the people that they had surveyed only 13 sorry only three percent of them had uh, got a goal that was written down and had an action plan even if it wasn't a very good action plan um they had a goal and they had an action plan and when they went back to look at these people they had um they found that their results their achievements were 10 times the size of everybody else in that population so they 10x'd everybody else. And when you look at kind of the global wealth distribution, it's 1% of the global population that owns 50% of the wealth. And if you look at the top 10% of the population, they own 82% of the wealth. So there feels like there's some definite links there between having a goal and your ability to achieve. And some of that is down to how our subconscious brain works. As we write it down, as we make, as we formulate it, as we start to um, be really clear on where it is that we're going and start to think about how we might get there, our subconscious brain knows that that's what's important to us. And therefore, when it's filtering out the millions of things a day that it thinks are not important to us, which is its job, it might be filtering out opportunities to help you achieve your goal because it doesn't know what your goal is. So doing that goal setting really helps. And if you think for a moment, have you ever thought I'm going to buy such and such a car in a certain colour? And then all of a sudden, all you see every time you go out is that car in that colour. And it's not because there are more of those cars on the road. It's because your subconscious now knows that it's important to you. So it looks out for them and it brings them to your attention. That's basically how our goal setting works. So starting to really think about our goal. And sometimes it can be really hard to go, well, what's my goal in, in three years, in five years, in 10 years? It might be more of a vision statement than it is a goal when we're thinking that far out. But actually what we do want to start thinking about is what is it I want to achieve by this time next year why is that important to me how am I going to feel when I've achieved that what's going to what impact is it going to have on my life because the more color we can put into that the more we make it real the more we bring it to life for our subconscious brain the more we are going to be able to achieve that goal so setting that goal and having a really good model to help you to understand where you are now in relation to where you want to be and then how you're going to be able to move from 
point A to point B to be able to get you there. And then start to make your commitment really helps. It doesn't mean to say that your action plan is going to be perfect every time. You're going to come up with things that you thought would work and then they didn't work or life got in the way and that wasn't really going to be the thing that moved you forward. But having that plan and regularly reviewing it allows you to keep tweaking making those adjustments because we often think that the change needs to be something massive but the reality is it's often just a couple of millimeter tweak that we need to do to enable us to change our direction and to really alter our outcome very much so that's that's very very interesting i think when it comes to when it comes to goal setting that far out you definitely, I mean, I, when I was speaking to Michael Tobin, he, he talks a lot about you being Ubered, you know, and it's like in business and, and in life. And that just happens, right? Like you can have the most amazing idea. Yeah. And then, but, but someone else might have that idea at the same time, or they might see that you've actually like reflections of the week, right? Like since we started reflections of the week, everyone's doing reflections of the week. Right. And, but, you know, I kind of look at it in terms of, there's kind of space for everyone as far as, as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, mastering, mastering your mind and your emotions is, is so important to being happy. Right. And then having that kind of glass half full mentality, I find for me and, and you as well is so important and framing that situation and actually what it meant to us and saying, well, okay, at the time we thought, Oh, well, it reminded us of how useless we were perhaps at school or, you know, when we did something really bad when we were kids. Right. But then when we analyze it and we say, well, why did I let it mean that? And then we actually write it down and we, and we reposition that thought and that actual incident in our minds. It, it massively helps. I think certainly with, with managing our mindset, no doubt about it in my mind. Well, yeah. And I think, you know, it always makes me smile when we say we've either got, you know, glass half full or glass half empty. The point is, it's a glass, it's refillable. Um, so actually, what we've got to think about is how do we refill our glass? So if it's not where we want it to be right now, what steps can we take to refill it? How do we add more in? Maybe that's get some feedback from friends, family, loved ones. Maybe that's do something that we know that we enjoy, that gives us joy, that allows us to recharge. But I think for me, you know, whenever we get into that place, which is, you know, how, how we're feeling, we've got to look at how do we, you know, if I'm not feeling great right now, what could I do that could make me feel a little bit better? And it's interesting you were saying about the reflections that totally links back to that. Is it that more people are doing it now or is it just that because we're doing it, actually our subconscious is looking for it and therefore it finds it more because, you know, as you know, I've done not in a video form, but I've done reflections for decades now <laughs> just because for me it is a great way of, helping my mindset of looking at you know what's gone well what did I you know what did I do that I actually had gone better than I thought what have I learned and that might be something that didn't go well that I need to do differently or something that did go well but I hadn't expected it to and as a result of that what's my takeaway because I think as long as we keep doing that we're continuing to grow to evolve to develop and that's what we're here for to continue to learn as my nan always used to say every day is a school day and god bless her she's right because every day we can learn something we learn something from everybody we meet as long as we're open-minded to the lesson very much so very much so yeah it's uh it's just about putting one foot in front of the other right no matter how bad it seems or how bad it gets right like 
you know, if you're not dead, then like, you know, it's not the end, right? Like that's, that's kind of how I look at this. And thank you, Kim, for being so generous with your time. I know, I know you're always mega busy. So, and thanks uh, to everyone for listening. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, all. And before we go, don't forget, if you want some more information on goal setting, you can go to elitecoachesclub.com and you can find out more information about that there. Fab. Thanks all. Until next time. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Master Mindset. Please don't forget to follow wherever you listen and tell your friends and tell your friends. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.